Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year David Copperfield brought his Broadway production, Dreams and Nightmares. Uh, That's when it opened. It had some thin narrative. People were doing magic in the aisles. Um... (laughs) He he gets cut in half, contortionists himself, levitates, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, he just goes to the aisles and has some fun. Interesting, you know. At one point, I um, as soon as you said dreams and nightmares, I started thinking about Meek Mill, and um, <laughs> I was like, that definitely wasn't part of that song. Um, wow, David Copperfield, what a what a stand up act. I don't know. I guess. I guess you gotta stand up if your legs are gone. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what magic he was doing. <laughs> it lasted for three weeks, so either it was really bad or just three limited weeks? runs. Who knows? It's yeah. <laughs> a lot of magic. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, speaking of the magic, we're still going to be talking about some magical episodes, I guess, today for our Young Justice um, rewatch. Like this is more. This is a rewatch for us. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as we are covering three episodes today, fully getting deeper into um, season one, we're covering episodes 18 through 20 titled Secrets, Misplaced, and Coldhearted. Now, Andrew and I are both big fans of the, uh, the Harry Potter universe, Hogwarts and all that. Hence why, because of all this magic and that even pops up a little bit in our last episode, Cold Hearted Today, as an homage to an 80s film. I'm calling today's Fat Times at Hogwarts High. Mm, I think, yeah, appropriate, appropriate. Mm. I agree. Yes. Also, because Hogwarts is now HBCU, let's be honest. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> So these missions that are happening in these three episodes span um, from October 31st to November 12th. Uh, So just in time for our Halloween produced episode here that does not involve any Batman unlimited storytelling. (laughs) I'd walk off. Thank God. (laughs) Uh, So we do have um, some members of our cast today and um, we're starting off with, I'm pretty sure that Young Justice just loves musical artists because our first cast member today is another performer because we do have Jesse McCartney as the voice of Night of um, Dick Grayson Robin. Uh, we have another performer here today as Robert Ochoa of the Ochoa Boys. That's Boys with a Z. Is the voice of Billy Batson in our <laughs> misplaced episode today? Oh, oh, that's not who I expected it to be, but okay. <laughs> Who'd you think it was? 
I, I just like, you know, is going to be like, oh, this actor has done like 700 Damien Wayans. That's what oh, yeah, I was expecting. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is more mostly seen in the um, music park singing about the girl because he is lost in love. That is actually one of the names of their songs. <laughs> Fine by me. <laughs> uh, next up, modern family actress. Ariel Winter reprises her role as Queen Perdita. Uh, apparently, she's actually been the voice of Princess Perdita at least three times in DC showcases, all of which were done by Greg Weissman, who is one of the one of the showrunners here for our Young Justice series. Always pitted against her uncle Vertigo, but we have Ariel Winter um, once again now upgraded to Queen Perdita in our cold-hearted episode, and finally. Um, this one, this one will, fortunately for you, Andrew, this is what you're looking for. This person's list is just incredibly long. Um, he is in our secret episode. Harm is here, voiced by Ben Diskin. And his voice is so familiar across animation, Western cartoons, and video games. He was number one and number two in Codename Kids Next Door for both in the show and in the video games. Oh my god, that's a classic. He is Sai in Naruto Shupiden and his video games. Okay, okay, okay. He is Venom or Eddie Brock in probably arguably the best Spider-Man cartoon ever created, Spectacular Spider-Man. He is the second voice actor for Stitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And finally, this is the most important role of all, because this man is an icon in the Arrowverse. In fact, you may call him a legend, because yes, Ben Diskin helped the legends form together to create the wonderful blue ball of fur that we love, Bebo. From... From Bebo to Psy, I don't understand <laughs> how you do it. But Ben, good job on all of those. We'll we'll talk about harm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, let's try to do no harm. Um, as we jump into his episode here, we're gonna say the tube over to the beginning of Secret starting now. So apparently a Beowulf sword has been stolen uh, out of a museum uh, collective not not really clear what this is oh no this is the actual metropolitan museum of art oh this is this is the metropolitan museum of art this yeah, is this is, this is how they drew it <laughs> okay um all right so that that offense aside that i couldn't even recognize <laughs> the museum um they're tr- the museum curator is trying to explain yeah this this Beowulf sword can be operated by someone with a pure heart. They could use it to do all kinds of bad things um, or just take power. And because it's the NYPD, they give up immediately their investigation. They don't even try. They don't even yeah. take notes, really. Um, pretty <laughs> <drew> pictures. <laughs> yeah, they do. Just like, all right, can I find him for something here? Um, so pretty accurate representation of the NYPD. Um, and then... Just as they're about to walk out and get some chopped cheeses for the night, uh, Harm shows up and he's here for the sword. 
Yes, this is a, I gotta admit, this was a bit of a scary entrance, mainly for the sword, because the sword, um, it's in what looks like someone's hand, not as a way they're holding the sword, but the sheath of the blade is someone's arm. Um, so it's a really cool design, especially if you're looking for like a cool, dark, kind of like evil looking sword. Um He's hanging around because apparently there are some magic words that need to be said is for the sword to finally um, be taken out of the sheath. And this is where we learn the big secret that we are so accustomed to saying that um, it can only be wielded by someone who's pure of heart. But that pure doesn't necessarily have to mean good as harm shares that he has a heart of pure evil. So he basically unalives every single person in our Halloween adventure that's beginning today already giving Michael Myers I guess a little run for his money on Halloween um, as we hop all over to uh, Mount Justice now where the team they are preparing for a Halloween party we see that uh, Wally is a wolf man or actually more accurately teen wolf um, mm. and we see that uh, Miss Martian is helping Superboy become which was a really funny joke later on but it, he is supposed to be a mummy but someone calls him out for something even funnier as um miss martian changes into her outfit where she turns into a um i, I don't know like a corpse bride a i think bit. so i think that's what she was going for mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh i do like how this uh you know just keeping in tone with the episode the dark opening of this episode we go immediately to relationship drama because <laughs> Wally is apparently stupider in this episode than he has been previously because he has no idea that Megan and Superboy are dating even though I mean come on come on yeah, yeah <laughs> um, like even Daredevil could see how, <laughs> how in love they are <laughs> yeah I think it's fairly obvious and in this episode he's it's so he's so dumb because this comes up a few episodes later but it's handled better there as kind of like just ignorance but here it's just like he is willfully dumb and missing what's going on here but that's not all all because artemis comes in and sees mcgann uh after zatanna immediately assesses hey looks like her and mcgann and superboy are together artemis immediately gets upset and is is not going to the halloween party wants to storm out and take on the entirety of new york city and while they did mention before that Artemis had a crush on Superboy. They did a little bit of that. To this extent, mm -hmm. no. This has yeah. not been tackled for episodes. <laughs> so this seems incredibly misplaced. Yeah, which is I... the name of the next episode. <laughs> 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 Didn't mean to do I... that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, when it works, it works. But I agree. I felt like it was um really weird that Artemis kind of like jumped into a complete completely being upset about this i was just like even in my mind i was like trying to justify is she more upset that like mcgann is with superboy is that mcgann never told her and she's looking for the fact that like they're two two women on the team and she's hoping that maybe she would confide in her that kind of thing we don't get that answer because again um it's our mrs versus Artemis versus everybody um because she's taken down alongside with satana they decide to go have a girls night out where Artemis gets the chance to just let loose. It leads her into, unfortunately, them making their way and having harm just spy on them. 
because he's noticing that, oh, they are doing some things out here that um, he wants to try to end, see if he can actually take them down. At the same time, the rest of the team heads on over to their Halloween party. Yeah, and I'll, I'll let you, because you set this up earlier, mm-hmm. what Superboy in his mummy costume is called by Mal Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because as soon as Superboy and the rest of the team enter, they see that everybody's dressed up as Justice League members. Um, and when Mal sees him, the first thing he questions is, what are you supposed to be, a burn victim? <laughs> and I was just like, sir, <laughs> it's coming at the throat. <laughs> Is that also foreshadowing to four seasons oh. later? <laughs> Mal, you ain't right. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too early. Too actually. early. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here we get a quick uh side plot for something that gets set up later. There's this kid Marvin who is saying on the on the interwebs why a kid would be saying interwebs in 2010. That's up to you guys. Um. So he's saying there's there's all this chatter about Martians and everything. Um, so everybody watch out. Meanwhile, completely no transition. We cut to Batman, Aqualad, Robin, uh, Red Arrow, and Green Arrow having a closed door meeting to figure out if there is a mole on the team or not. And they've narrowed it down. They're like, Kid Flash, Aqualad, Robin, y'all good. But um superboy might be a product of cadmus that's why batman suspects him mcgann apparently stowed away to get to earth and <laughs> they call out well he she's her his she's martian manhunter's niece it's like well he has 107 nephews and nieces so why should we trust this one and it's like <laughs> where is all this vague racism coming from <laughs> like, this martian racism um and Red Arrow suspects Artemis because she he knows that she doesn't shoot straight. So now that that scene comes out of there, we're off to something else. Also, <laughs> um, it is revealed that Robin does know the true identity of Artemis because before he can actually share it, um, he does share that like he's not she's not even Green Arrow's niece which is shocking to Calder, who's just like, I come on, I'm the leader. How do you not share this information with me, knowing that we have a mole? But Batman does stop him from sharing anymore because everybody is entitled to a secret identity. Um, but yeah, as we... <laughs> I, I do... It was really random. This was a super <laughs> random scene. But we have to hop on over because apparently... Um, now that Zatanna and Artemis are still out on their girls' night, uh, they come. They finally come face to face with Harm, who is ready to more or less unalive them. Yeah, and I also have to ask really quick before we get to Harm, what year is this in New York City? Because there's a crime happening on every block. <laughs> <laughs> like, did they time travel back to the '90s and '80s? Like, what the hell? <laughs> appreciate y'all peace now (laughs) we was fighting hard in these streets there were more crimes than people in the city happening (laughs) (laughs) but yeah in any case harm comes and right away Zatanna and and Artemis see that they're outclassed arrows don't work 
the spells are not getting through to him. The sword is just too powerful. So luckily they see a random ghost girl in an alley and they go, you know what? Might as well follow her. Of course. Seems like the best plan. <laughs> so Zadana puts up a wall of fire and they go chase this random girl. Yeah, and as they continue on with the chase, at the same time, we see we're back at the Halloween party at the school. Now everybody's getting notifications about the um about the Martian invasion, which I feel is just like really dumb because like Snapper, the uh I'm assuming he's the principal. Um he brings up his like Martians can't invade us. We have Martian Manhunter and Miss Martian. We're two for two on good side now, and I'm pretty sure they'll help stop that. Um, but somehow, in some way, somebody hacks into the uh voice PA system and starts saying that this is homeland security. Um, requests all the students to stay inside because there is a full-on Martian invasion now and everybody's freaking out. However, Connor does pick up that something is a bit off about this whole announcement. So he uses his uh, uh, supervision? I don't mm-hmm. know. This is like a, yeah, supervision to see that it's Marvin on the PA system tricking everybody into thinking that Martians are attacking. What is hilarious about this, and this is not even the show's fault, but if you watch with subtitles on HBO Max, yeah. uh, not a plug for HBO Max, um, not sponsored uh, yet. But um, yeah, <laughs> if you watch on HBO Max, it immediately tells you it's Marvin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so there's no ambiguity about that. So I don't know who <laughs> did that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, somebody. Yeah, you you type too much. <laughs> yeah, you do, you're good at your job. Whoever did yeah. that, but uh, maybe a little too good. <laughs> um, so while they go and try to figure out what they're going to do with Marvin, we cut back to the hush fight, which leads to my favorite line of this episode. Maybe my only favorite line of this episode, <laughs> where Zatanna is running and she says, "These boots are cute, but I need to change into something more practical," and changes her shoes. I I did like that little added detail i felt like they were the same shoes but maybe they added in some soul inserts <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah design wise yeah they were okay, exactly okay. the same <laughs> okay, okay. yeah i was, was want to make sure i saw that You're not sure. I was like, yeah i was like oh that's a smart idea like don't run around in heels but i was just i was just unsure <laughs> yeah uh so now this whole entire fight leads into um <laughs> Artemis is definitely mocking this guy because, like, the more and more that Harm is talking, he's just calling us. He's like, Harm sees the insects and is ready to kill them, and Harm is going to do this, and Harm is going to do that. She's just like, we get it. Your name is Harm. Um, And we also learned that the little ghost girl, her name is uh, Secret because that's all she ever says. So now Harm and Secret are just, like, kind of trying to figure out something here. The next thing that happens, though, is unfortunately, um, Harm is able to like overpower both Satana and Artemis by shocking them in some way, shape, or form to knock them out. And we jump to the next scene now where Harm is forcing Artemis to tell him how does she know where Harm Harm's home was. And at the same time, Satana has a crossbow from Artemis pointed at her head and he's telling her that if you don't share with me how you knew my secret, I will kill Zatanna here, who at the same time, secret has now appeared to help free Zatanna. Yeah. So 
before we get into the saw part of the episode, um, <laughs> they cut back uh, to Marvin um, again, and the heroes decide the best way to deal with this Marvin situation is to prank him. So Megan shapeshifts into a silhouette of Marvin the Martian from other Warner Brothers products. And then I go, oh, Marvin's the guy. She shapeshifted into Marvin the Martian. I get the joke. Clever. Um, <laughs> and uh, the pseudo Martian Marvin the Martian beats up uh, Superboy and Kid Flash a little bit. That gets Marvin to run back into the gym and say, oh, it was a prank. It was a prank. They're, but there are real Martians here now, and they killed two guys. And then Superboy and Kid Flash walk in and go, what's up? And that's, that's the end of that plot line. Uh, anyway, back to the Saw section of the show. <laughs> Yeah, so Secret frees Zatanna, and Zatanna uses some max magic illusions to get Artemis, and they immediately go into the kitchen, set off the gas stove in a beautiful, what, like a, a three-story apartment in New yeah. York City? Yeah, I have where, no Where did idea. this come from? <laughs> I, this was not on Street Easy at all when I was checking, hashtag not sponsored. But <laughs> it is wild that... um that like it, unfortunately though it does not exist for very much longer because after letting loose the gas Artemis does shoot a fire arrow to basically explode the entire kitchen um this is where they are now outside alongside this is Artemis Satana and they also see that secret is there with them and secret brings them over to a little pot of plot of land that has been definitely been stirred very recently and it's revealed to actually be a grave site. And on this grave, the headstone marks Greta Hayes, which through context clues, Zatanna and Artemis determine the um, decipher that secret is Greta and that's um harm is actually her brother from an earlier picture that they saw, noticing that harm must have killed his sister, and now she's a ghost helping them to stop him. Yep. I hope everyone <laughs> followed that at home. Cause <laughs> so yeah, and up until this point he hasn't been able to see his sister, but um his sister appears fully in front of him. And because he has some regret about killing his sister, his heart is no longer pure evil. So the sword starts to become too heavy for him to carry. And eventually his sister takes out his main power out of his chest. And Artemis, without without a power, Artemis is easily able to take him down. This is the woman who gave the business to Poison Ivy, after all. So mm -hmm. this is no problem for her. And Artemis, this is a time when Zatanna says, you know, secrets can hurt. So if you have anything you're hiding, now would be a good time. And Zatanna says, no, I'm good. And they look out across the street, across the fence where the sister was buried and they see a sign says secret and they figure that's the last thing she saw. So that's why she kept repeating it like she was a Pokemon, a ghost <gasps> Pokemon to be specific. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's um, I'm not going to talk anymore about that because um, <laughs> I'm going to misplace my judgment on that for a bit as we hop into misplaced now. <laughs> Our next episode is we open up to Roanoke Island, um, where this is for any supernatural fans out here. 
this is the most supernatural-esque scene <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Crossroads, there is magical beings popping up from demonic sorts, and it's Clarion, who is joined alongside a bunch of other evil sorcerers. Uh, Wotan, who we met in our previous episodes, a part of the Injustice League. We have Felix Faust, who, um, uh, you know, the very, <laughs> the, the very sexist well, sorcerer from just the Justice League Dark movie that we covered. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got a wizard whose name is actually William I. Zard. And finally, we got Blackbriar Thorn. Uh, they have come together to cast a spell. And the next day, we see now that it is time for our team to meet up once again. Zatara is here with Zatanna. They are, everybody's doing a grocery run, it seems like. They've stocked up on from bj's they are they're just bringing everything into the um into mount justice right now i love in this scene red tornado being so extra moving boxes mm -hmm. with little tornadoes <laughs> bro you're a robot just pick that up what are you doing <laughs> it's like the most extra shit i've ever seen in my life do i want to have that ability yes <laughs> the of same time, sir yeah, I wouldn't do that with my remote, but come on, man. <laughs> but um, they're moving to boxes, and Zatanna is talking about um, responsibility. She doesn't know if her father is going to be able to really let her go to kind of join the team full time. And meanwhile, uh, you know, Shazam has just finished beating Sabak. He's on. He's on a high, and all of a sudden, his uncle. Zatara, Batman, all the adults just get blipped out of existence. And I will give so much credit to Billy Batson here because immediately his first instinct is, I want to become Shazam. But he thinks quickly, if all the adults have gone and all the kids remain, then if I turn into Shazam, I'll technically be an adult and I might disappear too. Mm -hmm. So he decides if he's going to try to save the world, he's going to have to do it as himself, his kid's self. So he's off while the rest of the heroes, the young heroes that are left, decide what they should do next. Yeah, so now we see that the very similar to the uh, failsafe episode, the young heroes have really stepped up now that the um, the older heroes are gone. So they are just basically, we have Kid Flash and uh, Miss Martian as well as Superboy going to different homes and opening up car doors to save the kids that are being left behind. There's so many little cute moments also, I will say, even in this like very dark time where um, two of which are Superboy is picks up a kid who is strapped in his car seat. Um, and this kid notices that Superboy is also wearing an S on his shirt like he has on his hoodie. So we had this little cute moment where it's just like, oh, little baby super baby is looking up to Superboy. And then um, Kid Flash, uh, as, as, you know, for, for a job well done and saving all these kids that he has been saving, um, this one kid offers him his sippy cup. You know, he's like, hey, man, I know you're probably a little thirsty right now running around like crazy because they're bringing all these kids to a um, to the high school that's nearby as, as a sort of um, refugee camp where we even have Artemis here. She is entertaining all the kids. Um, she starts singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but I'm hopefully assuming that she just was playing around and pretending like she didn't know the words. 
I think so. <laughs> I <Okay>. think so. <laughs> Good. But it also made me realize that Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, Baba Black Sheep, and apparently part of the alphabet are sung in the very same two. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy to transition between those those songs. Mm-hmm. Um now I'll, I'll address this because I I wouldn't be doing my job uh, if I didn't address this, but I'll I'll uh, I'll get into it. They do do it well, so it's two sides of a coin. So in this horror horrible nightmare scenario world, we would realistically have planes falling, hospitals mm-hmm. coming to a standstill, electrical grids f- failing. So obviously they don't really explore the full consequences of all of that for the most part but because they know they can't (laughs) it would be it would be insane so but to their credit the other side of the coin is there are moments where they really make it apparent so for example wally someone asked wally hey did you go home and check on your folks and he says i've been racing around saving kids i don't need to see another empty house and the way that line is delivered the the impact of that line is really um really good and it's really done well and following that the heroes do a worldwide broadcast uh multilingual even to mm. reassure people stick together if you're older take care of the younger kids um make sure that everyone's being taken care of and extra duper bonus points because the last broadcast took place on my birthday uh so it was a november 6th broadcast so uh, that's credit to the show, uh, a million <laughs> bonus points. But now it's time for a cut back to Billy Batson and seeing what he's going to do to help save the world. Yeah, so he decides that the after seeing the, um, the, the broadcast, he's like, the best thing for me to do is head back to see if I can meet up with the team. So he tries going into one of the many locations where there are Zeta tube um, access points. Unfortunately, uh, even though he has the right phrases, the right overwrite codes, unfortunately, the uh, the system does not recognize him as Shazam. It still sees him as someone trying to impersonate and break through. So he decides that the best thing for him to do is try to see if he could go and... Um, find somebody to fly him over to Mount Justice and see if maybe he can get some work done there. So he does go, he meets up with, I'm hoping that's his friend named Amber. I think it's a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, So as this, as he's heading on over to, um, to try to see if Amber can fly him over to where the cave is at, at the same time, Robin and Satana are in uh, Mount Justice trying to figure out if there's a way they can locate what's causing this um this disappearance of all the adults because they realize that uh it's, it has a bit of a magical source to it so robin was able to pick up video footage of when uh zatanna's father pulled up was able to find the location of wotan in the injustice league episode so she's asked her, can you repeat the same spell, which she's a little hesitant on because it requires so much focus and so much power to do. Um, and this is where we get into a really kind of deep conversation that's happening between Aqualad and Kid Flash, who are realizing that they're reaching a point where they might be desperate. Yeah. And they are, they're really backed into a corner here. Um, and 
this is this is re- where the episode really takes another surprising turn because <laughs> as they're in the plane billy and his friend she offhand mentions that today's her birthday and she just turned 18 so she disappears and billy is stuck in this plane it's going to go down and he doesn't know what to do so he's like the only thing he can do is take a leap of faith and turn into shazam so he does so and here is where the episode restarts so we go back to the first scene the they're moving boxes again being extra they're having the same conversations and i'm this is where i'm like on hbo max i'm like did i did i reset something what did i do here (laughs) but here's the twist we're seeing it from the other perspective because from the adults perspective all the kids disappeared and it's a world without any children and we um we get Shazam he gets to save his friend in midair so thank god he tried it otherwise his friend would have fallen to the ground oh yeah and now all the adults are going haywire because all their kids are gone and i do love everyone goes to star <laughs> Even though it's a villain plan, but they go to Star Labs, it's like, this is Star Labs' fault. And I'm like, honestly, probably. Yeah. It's like, for this, this is Helen Lovejoy. It's like, think of the children. We thought you did this, Star Labs. Um, but it's, it is crazy that this was a part of the villain's plan. So we do see that um, the unmasked face of Sportsmaster here has, he's, he's inciting a riot with the adults with um, Jim Gordon with the rest of Gotham City Police trying to get them to calm down. And I was just like, this is the most work I've seen Gotham City Police do. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, um, while everybody's starting to fight, this is where we see that Sportsmaster starts backing away. Riddler appears with a briefcase of some sort from inside the laboratory. They, um, um, he gets picked up by Sportsmaster and they start driving away. So meanwhile, at Mount Justice, um, we have a very similar conversation, which is kind of cool that these conversations are happening in real time, almost, where now it's Batman and Zatara talking about where they are, wondering what happened to their kids, and thinking that like they might be desperate enough to try something that might be really dangerous. And it's the same exact conversation that Kid Flash and Aqualad are having, in which do they use the helmet of fate and risk the possibility of one of them, one of them turning into Dr. Fate forever. But both teams, both sides on both, on both locations are saying they're not that desperate yet. Yeah. And it's such a cool concept now that you know that the parallel worlds are happening and how each world kind of dealt with it. But luckily the bridge is Shazam (laughs) and Shazam tells them instantly what the situation is and they realize that he can travel between the two parallel worlds with his abilities. So he does so. And it's a great scene where he encounters the team, uh, the younger team. And they're like, who, who the hell are you? And he explains that, you know, he's Billy Batson. He's younger than all, all of them secretly. So the two sides decide to coordinate their attacks and f- figure that, Clarion is where you have to go. Clarion is at Roanoke Island, where Sam and Dean are probably just off screen in one of these dimensions. And <laughs> they all go and attack him. And immediately it becomes clear that they are far outclassed. 
They got mm-hmm. a cat taking steroids. Clarion's got <laughs> a stronger barrier than Rocket. There's just nothing they're doing is getting any closer to stopping this horrific spell. So, and at the same time, the adults are also um, initiating their attack where they're facing off against the four wizards who are of adult age. Um, they're doing a little better, but it's still not enough. And this is where certain things are being revealed. Um, some of the magic users realize that both sides have this gem that's causing this split in the world. So they're trying to figure out what's the best way that we can steal the gem that's embedded in the crossroad here. At the same time, seeing all of her friends falling around her, Satana decides that she's going to answer that question that was brought up earlier of, are we desperate enough? And she's saying yes. And this is where it's revealed that she brought the helmet of fate and much to the shock of Kid Flash, she puts it on, turns herself into Dr. Fate. And this is where a full-on battle occurs between um, Zatanna Fate and Clarion. And, uh, you know, Young Justice will say it a, a hundred times, but when they get down to the real battles, the central battles, it's always a lot of fun. So with Dr. Fate, there's a lot of onks being thrown. Um, Shazam uses some his powers to go underground and tunnel like a mole and there's also a gr- really great moment with Shazam uh cuz you know he's a kid so you know he's always acting immature most of the time so you, to remind you but there's a great moment in the fight where Zatara is telling him go help the kids and he's like no mm-hmm. i i'm refuse i'm staying here with you to see this through and it's a really great moment of responsibility and for a minute it looks like things are bad because clarion mentions the helmet got split between two worlds fate isn't as strong but fate's like nah i'm not listening to that noise and is able to tap into Zatanna's innate powers um break through the barrier kid flash takes the gem and shazam takes the gem they both hand it to zatara and zatara zatana respectively and with that, they're able to finally rejoin the worlds. And with that, um, with everybody appearing around each other, uh, Clarion, unfortunately, does get a chance to escape as well as the other sorcerers are taken in by the Justice League. But now we have the biggest question of all. Are we going to have Zatanna still on the team or is it going to be Dr. Fate? Because Nabu does not want to release Zatanna. He feels that um, even though she's young, her innate uh, skills for the mystic arts is just enough for him to continue on his quest of being a lord of order. So this is where Zatara um, is pleading with him. It's just like, please let my daughter go. I'll do anything. Um, Are you sure that even Kent Nelson would even condone this kind of thing? And this is where Dr. Fate reveals that um, Kent Nelson annoyed him too much to the fact to the point where he just sent his spirit away to the afterlife. He was done with him. So every decision that he's doing now is his own. And this is where Zatara decides that he has to make a pretty big sacrifice in order to save his daughter as he pledges his mind, body, and soul, I guess, to um to Dr. Fate saying that he will become Dr. Fate because he his magical abilities are stronger 
uh, he's more at a peak because he has been trained to be a superhero for so long. And he even promises that he will not even negate on this deal, which leads into Zatara or Dr. Fate taking off the helmet. And here we see Zatana, Zatana is, um, she's just happy to see her father again. Um, it's a very sweet, bittersweet moment because he, she doesn't know anything about this deal, it seems. So as Zatara takes the helmet and puts it on, she's trying to stop him, but she gets stopped herself with the rest of the team as Zatara turns into the new Dr. Fate. And yeah, this is an incredibly emotional moment um, for the character because, you know, Zatanna is losing her father. Um, We don't really get background on her mother at this point, but you get the sense that she is losing her family. So you, you have this very sobering scene where she's alone in her room on Mount Justice. And you can see that Robin gets it. He he knows what this is like. He knows what it's like to lose a family. So he is there as a a shoulder for Zatanna in this this horrific moment. And as one last final twist, it's revealed at the end of the episode, this entire plan was a distraction for the light. Even mm. <laughs> the French brain is like, yo, this plan was so extra. But it got the job done because we were able to walk into Star Labs with no issues and get what we needed. So they acquire another piece to their whatever plan they got cooking. And with that, another victory for the light, a loss for Zatanna. We, things are looking pretty, pretty cold. It's a cold world. So (laughs) in this cold world, it's time for another episode, Cold Hearted. Yes, and we open up with this one with proof that global warming is real because on November 11th, it is a full-on snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> and But more importantly, it is Wally West's birthday. Um, he wakes up to the sound of his alarm. He's very ecstatic. It's his 16th birthday. Um, his mom has made him his favorite breakfast, which is just heaping loads of everything, which <laughs> Loki, I was a little jealous of. I was like, that's my favorite <laughs> breakfast, too. <laughs> it was like one of those like Disney movie breakfasts. There was just like somebody has to eat all of this thing, but somebody just grabs an apple and leave. No, nope, Wally doesn't do that. He eats the whole thing. Um, and in this moment, um, everybody's just like he's having a great time. Even his father is even offering to take him over to the DMV after school to get his driver's permit. Um, but Wally's like, well, who needs a car when you are faster than like basically the speed of sound? And this is like fair. <laughs> I, I thought so. I was like, that is a damn good point. So so after he declines having this driver's permit, what's even better is that he got a snow day from school on his birthday. Like everything's coming up, Wally. Uh, so now it's time for him to just head on over to Mount Justice to see the rest of the team who are apparently throwing him a surprise party that he fully knows about. Yeah, he got ahead of himself. He's that fast. And they get uh, some quick exposition that um, the Zeta tube is offline because of the inclement weather, which I didn't know was possible. But all right. It's like um, a direct TV satellite. <laughs> yeah. They, they got to change the antenna. And Wally is has this fantasy. He mentions it to his parents, which is weird for some reason, of like getting a kiss from Megan on his birthday because he still doesn't know she's dating Superboy. And 
After a while, he gets two cakes and he gets a kiss on the forehead. Artemis, with the light, with glee, um, goes <laughs> and breaks the news to Wally in the background, and we see his reaction. Does this? I know you're saying, does this contradict everything from that other episode? Yes, because Artemis is chill. She's cool with it. She's processed it. Wally, apparently, in between those episodes, didn't learn anything. But um, that's what happens. So that that is finally wrapped up. We've got that taken care of. And as they're enjoying everything, they get a message from Batman letting him know that this is no ordinary snowstorm. And I just have to mention, should Batman be flying that jet right now in these no, inclement weather conditions? No, he should not. No, he should not. <laughs> so we were a little wrong about it being global warming. But it's, that still doesn't, it's still possible. But either way, this is a full on like machine from Snow Day almost. Is a like there are five of them all around, and Batman is just flying through all of them. Um, and at one point, they also shoot lasers. So I don't even know how this man survived being up in that airspace for any period of time. Um, because now he's sharing that everybody needs to um, stop what they're doing, party has to end. Everybody changed into their polar stealth suits and they're all joining in on a briefing where Batman is saying that they're going to be teaming up with members of the Justice League, which is something that they all have been looking forward to. So they decide that it's um, he starts giving them their mission reports where uh, Superboy is going to be dropping off a couple of them to go team up with Batman, Flash and and um, and Aquaman. Um, some others are going to be teaming up with like the likes of um, Green Arrow and a couple other people and uh, Shazam and Red Tornado. And Wally is the only one who doesn't get an assignment, which he's shocked at because he's just like, maybe he just didn't hear it at first, but he didn't get the assignment because we learned that the snowstorms has caused a heart transplant to, um, to be delayed and if this heart doesn't get doesn't get transplanted to this individual this girl unfortunately she will die so at first wally's pissed because he's just like this is the first time that the team gets to team up with the justice league and i'm missing out on it but he's asking who is this girl to which batman replies does that even matter yeah I, the job. <laughs> no i love that no i, I love, love that, that. <laughs> it's such a great line it's just yeah. like that's the mission. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do have to mention, uh, there's a point where they're like, why doesn't the watchtower shoot it down? Oh, yeah. And there's like, the watchtower has no weapons. And I'm like, Batman, you sound pretty disappointed about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, they took a vote and they're like, no, Batman, we can't, we can't do that. He <laughs> um, was like, what if I just pull a laser? No, Batman. We talked about this. <laughs> Uh, so Kid Flash is separated from everybody else. He sees everybody else going to their own missions, but he's running to a hospital in Boston. So uh, he's trying to, you know, lighten the mood, banter with the um, the the doctors, and they go, you know, it's not working. He's like, "Did you order me a pizza?" And they're like, "No, we didn't. We we didn't do that." Um, he's like, "Well, I need the calories. Never mind." And um. They basically give him a time limit. They say they ha- you have to get the heart over in this amount of time. Make sure you get it there. Otherwise, it'll become non-viable. 
So he starts running. There's some inner narration. He's just think dreaming about the taco stada he wants to eat. <laughs> that new Chipotle secret menu item thing. <laughs> and things are going pretty standard for Kid Flash until Vandal Savage makes the most gangster entrance as Bruh. not only the most jacked character, but the most intimidating villain in this trilogy. Oh my gosh. Man, look, Vandal, Sa- Vandal Savage's hands are rated E for everybody. <laughs> like, everybody was getting the work. And it was just a, per- you're right, it was such a perfect entrance. He drops down from the sky. I don't even know where he was standing on. And he just starts beating up all the police officers that were there trying to clear the path for Kid Flash. And at that moment, Kid Flash sees that they these cops are being taken down. So at first, he's confused with what's going on, but he decides to circle back to try to see if he can stop the cops from being harassed any further, um, which brings him face-to-face with Vandal Savage. And this is where we see a full-on battle between the two. Um, Vandal Savage clearly can keep up with Kid Flash's speed here as he quickly grabs him. Fortunately, Kid Flash is quick on his feet as he is able to um, kick away from Vandal Savage just enough to start trying to see if he can go into a counterattack. And as they're fighting, it's like clear that Wally just wants to have a little fun here. He's like, I got time to show up this guy here to make sure that he never messes around with us ever again. Meanwhile, he still has the heart in a medical backpack, which I hope this is like a real thing. Apparently, this backpack is like, set up in a way that it absorbs all the shocks that could happen from flat kid flashes running. And this is also keeping up with like holding onto the heart just enough so that um, even while kid flash is like dodging all the hits from Vandal Savage and whatnot, leaping around, like he's parkouring, you know, everything it keeps the heart safe. Did they borrow some vibranium? Like, I don't, <laughs> is this nth metal? Like, I don't know how this, this is heart. everything. <laughs> yeah. Like how this heart is not soup. I, I couldn't tell you. Um, But uh, after a few minutes, 12 to be exact, Kid Flash realizes he's wasting too much time dealing with Vandal Savage. So he, he gets out of there and Vandal Savage very ominous, ominously says, ominously says, that uh, that should have been enough. So clearly there's something going on here. And in between Kid Flash running, we get some cool scenes. I just definitely wanted to highlight where Canary from a Black Canary from a jet uses a Canary cry that mm-hmm. completely destroys a weather machine on the outside. So cool. Uh, just to remind you how powerful she really is. But um, Kid Flash gets to the hospital and he he's informed by a doctor that he's 12 minutes too late. Yeah, it is. It is very quite sad. So this doctor ends up taking the heart while Kid Flash is just sitting out on the side, beating himself up about it because he realizes that his fight with Vandal Savage took 15 minutes. So if he just decided to keep on running, that heart would have made it on time. And he's taken on that, especially on like a day like this where he's just like, I didn't get the the birthday di- birthday wish that I wanted. I didn't get the team up that I wanted. And now I've taken another L here with the loss of this little girl. Um, this is where some of the doctors come up and run over to him. It's just like, Kid Flash, where's the heart? We have we have already prepped the, the um the operating room. 
And this is where he realizes, start putting two the two together, that he's been played. So he starts looking around and he finds that same doctor he gave the heart to. And he starts running down to the basement of the parking lot and to take on the um, this doctor once again, who um, first off is immediately strapped, pulled out a gun as soon as Kid Flash took the bag from him. How about that elevator? How fast was that elevator that it beat Kid Flash down to the like basement floor? Like, was this elevator moving at the speed of sound? Like, was this speed of sound Sonic? Like, what is going on? But yes, the doctor is strapped along with a, a crew that is clearly prepared for this eventuality. And they try to get Kid Flash, but he's taking them all down. But he is stopped when he is hit by vertigo beams. That's when Vertigo reveals that the heart transplant was meant for Perdita, who is going to become queen. And that as Perdita's uncle, Vertigo stands to inherit the throne and the entire country if she dies and doesn't get this heart on time. So all of this, the weather machines, the ice, was to prevent Queen Perdita from getting the heart she so desperately needed. So... Now it's Vertigo versus Kid Flash, and this matchup hasn't gone well before. But now Kid Flash has to take on Vertigo and Vertigo's diplomatic immunity from being persecuted. Yeah, um, that's that was a crazy thing to hear because it, it was a good question about like why is it that Vertigo is even out? So he does share that as long as he doesn't commit any crimes against um Vlava, uh I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, <laughs> which is his home his home country or even be caught doing anything wrong, he's good. So as Kid Flash keeps Count Vertigo talking, we're hearing again that internal monologue from um Kid Flash where he realizes that even though he's lost his ability to move due to the nausea that Vertigo is causing, he is able to um to antagonize Count Vertigo enough just to the point where because of his ego, Count Vertigo gets close enough where Kid Flash is able to move enough with enough speed to um, knock out Count Vertigo, or at least knock down Count Vertigo as he rushes back to pick up the backpack. This leads into him getting attacked by Count Vertigo again, but this time he has the upper hand as he's able to run over and knock Vertigo down once again, grabbing the Vertigo-inducing like headgear that Vertigo wears. As um, knocks everybody out, and then Kid Flash runs up to the lobby to drop off the um, the heart once again with the proper doctors this time. Yes, and the effort does knock him out, which is well well deserved because he's been burning so many calories without any snacks. Um, so he passes out, but it is revealed in a news report that while all the weather machines were destroyed. Queen Perdita did not survive. She died on the operating table. So Kid Flash wakes up to this horrible news. Queen uh, And Vertigo is gloating. He is just so, so happy to tell everybody his plan. He is even correcting Kid Flash. He says, oh, this is regicide right here. Like, this ain't even a normal homicide I pulled off. <laughs> but fortunately, it is revealed that it was all a trick. Kid Flash pulls back a hospital curtain to reveal that Queen Bernita is alive and well with two security people who don't do anything when Vertigo tries to attack her with a sword. If failure security. I haven't seen security this bad since like the Oscars of 2022. Like, <laughs> so 
now that um Kid Flash gets a chance to see that um gets a chance to talk with Perdita while Count Vertigo is taken away because Queen Perdita, I'm gonna put a little respect on her name here, she mm-hmm. strips Vertigo of his diplomatic immunity. Um and as Kif, she and Kid Flash are talking, uh she's offering the sword that Count Vertigo had as a souvenir. And here's where we get like a really nice moment in which we know Wally loves his souvenirs from his missions. And this is going to be a big one because this whole mission has been focused solely on him. So when he look keeps looking at the sword, he realizes that that's not the best souvenir. His best souvenir is the backpack that held Queen Perdita's heart. Yeah. And that with that... That brings everything, that brings his run to an end. Kid Flash ran uh, to the end of our trilogy. We do have a little bit of a, kind of like a post sign here of things to come. Count Vertigo's in jail. He's getting mocked by uh, by Burke. Um, at the same time, Batman goes to um, Bell Rev, and he's questioning Hugo Strange. It's just like, we had an attack that consisted of like five ice villains where were they? And this is where um, Hugo Strange reveals that each and every single one of them has been um, locked up. So there's no way they could have been a part of this, proving that something more is that is afoot. And speaking of feats, we're going to train up like Kid Flash to try to see if he can move as fast as him. Um, but while we do that, here's a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. <laughs> like beer do you like podcasts do you like beer podcasts then check out crack and one open a podcast about brews news and pop culture reviews every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country and sometimes the world we'll talk about how it was made what's in it the history of the brew and the brewery then we'll give our tasting notes and while we're finishing up we'll talk about some of the latest goings on in the world of pop culture so check out crack and one open with mike and elise part of the forgotten entertainment family All right. Uh, what for you, Andrew, from our batch of episodes today, the fast times of Hogwarts High, are you giving the most whelmed episode award to? I mean, obviously, it's Secrets. The first episode, <laughs> uh, my favorite. <laughs> uh, Secrets is actually, I think, in our rewatch, the first episode I've actively disliked. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, there was just, they were just trying to do way too much. The tones are all over the place. The storylines are all over the place. Harm is not a great villain um, for any, not even thematically appropriate to what's going on in the episode, which they usually nail. Mm -hmm. So I don't know really what this episode was supposed to do because it doesn't advance any characters really. And all the stuff it brings up about the mole doesn't come up in the next two episodes. (laughs) So it, I don't know what filler episode. It felt like, yeah, just random pieces of filler. Uh, So it really came down to um, cold hearted and misplaced. And these are both really, really stellar episodes. Um, Each with these very big stakes and consequences. Um, But the one thing I do love the kid flash focus. I love it. But the one thing that holds cold hearted back for me is if you actually step back and think about the plot of this, it is insane. Are you telling me (laughs) 
Count Vertigo, the only way he could prevent his niece from getting a heart was to have five ice machines <laughs> taking over the world and disrupting. Would it not have been easier to just like steal the heart in transit? Yeah, yeah. Also, to call him Vandal Savage was a lie. I feel like for this, believed, right? He, <laughs> for this, like this was this was Vandal Savage being like, I need to stretch today. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was another way. Like the plot could have also similarly happened if I know you had to take out the Zeta tubes mm-hmm. as a factor, but I feel like there was a simpler way to get it so that Kid Flash had to run, and there was no other way to do it. I just feel it was a simpler way to do this. But um, everything else about Kid Flash is great, about him learning a little humility. But yeah, overall, I think Misplaced, it's just such a cool concept. The the way they use Shazam in this episode and give him some real shine mm-hmm. is like, harkens back to the old Justice League episodes where, you know, a character that you don't necessarily spend time with gets a lot of good shine and their abilities come in handy. So the unique way they use Shazam's abilities, the way it moves the plot forward, especially in regards to Zatanna joining the team and solving the Dr. Feet mystery mm-hmm. that's been hanging over everyone's head. Um, so bringing that arc to a close, some emotional resonance between Zatanna and Robin about losing parents and just great animation, great story. Overall, I think, yeah, I, I think I was most whelmed by Misplaced. I think it just, it had everything I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. from a Young Justice episode. How are you feeling here on this trilogy? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Uh, Misplaced is the most whelmed episode of the bunch. Now, I will say, though, cold-hearted, I feel over time has always been part of my like top five episodes of Young Justice, in my opinion. So, um, you know, if I ever was to like introduce somebody to Young Justice, that will be the episode I would probably share with them. Um. And but other than that, for misplaced, just again, it just like connected so much more to the story where cold hearted was just so focused on Kid Flash. It's just like you didn't need it's a good enough of a story where it's just like you didn't need the context of all everything else that's happening around in that world, the knowledge of it. But for an episode to move the story along, um, misplaced did that. I agree the Shazam. Um, serving as the bridge was a great way to use that character, especially to reveal that um, that secret. Which, again, side note about secret, not good. It was uh, it was just <laughs> too much. It was this is clear that this was a filler Halloween episode that was just too much. It didn't even come out around Halloween. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> this was a sunny day on in, in like July, I believe that this this episode came out. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was like Misplaced was just a well-written, great callbacks to everything that the team has experienced so far. I also love the fact that how it connected a little bit to that fail-safe episode where we are seeing what happens when the team is the main set of heroes, um, especially just seeing those little moments in which like they're v- being very human with the civilians, especially I noticing that like nobody was dressed in their actual uniform. Kid Flash was dressed in his regular civvies. Artemis is dressed in the regular civvies. The only person who had on their uniform still was Superboy. I think, I think it's just only because it's the only t-shirt he has. Yeah. Like, even Robin and Zatanna weren't dressed in their regular clothes when they were in Mount Justice trying to figure out what was going on. So, it felt like the most human episode of the bunch because we were able to connect and relate with every single person that was there 
And also this is the, the little cute kid moments. Like, I mean, I don't know what's in that sippy cup, but I do like the fact that it ended up being a souvenir in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, um, I, yeah, that's another great thing about that episode. A great point by the kids. It's like, they always feel like they're the kids, mm-hmm. you know, the team always feels like they're behind. And this was the time where they had an entire world looking up to them as the adult senior heroes. And I think, that responsibility there there's even a moment where superboy pulls off a save and he smiles which Mm -hmm. he's had trouble coping with that but when a kid reaches up and touches the logo that is enough for him he doesn't have to be superman in that moment he doesn't have to live up to that legacy he just has to live up to this kid and make sure this kid is safe so i think this is a, a a good good preview of what the team will become in the future, what they will inspire and represent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this is is really, really good character stuff here that isn't all spoken and highlighted, but everybody on the team gets a little bit of something to work with here. Yeah, yeah. And this probably because um, this is inspired by an actual Young Justice story in the comics. We have some comic book knowledge today for you. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Uh, so this story about a world without grownups is actually the first time or second team up, sorry, of the Young Justice team that consists of Impulse, Superboy, and Tim Drake Robin. This is after their encounter with another named character who's going to be the second part of our uh, comic book uh, knowledge for today. So in this two-part issue story... It's called Justice League, A World Without Adults. It came out in 1998, and it's a very similar story to what's happening in our episode. Um, there is a magical being. Uh, this time, his name is Bedlam, who takes over the body of a kid who gets this bad present from his dad, and he's just very upset about this bad present. So Bedlam shows him that he can create a world where this kid could get anything he wants by putting him in charge. Um, and this kid ends up getting rid of all the adults in the world. It doesn't have, it's a more fun read, if anything. It doesn't have the same kind of sad notes that we see or like deep moments where like Wally is just like, I can't go back home to another empty home. And then later in the episode gets reunited with his parents. We don't really see that in here. Instead, um, it's a lot. The kids go through the same thing that the kids in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie went through, where they're like, "Oh, free world shenanigans." <laughs> uh, so fortunately, though, Tim Drake um, very much actually dis- determines that, like, maybe Billy Batson, because he knows about Billy's ability to transform into Shazam. He decides he asks Billy with the help of his teammates, to see if maybe Billy can find out where the adults went to. And, um, of course, it's a lot of fear because no one really knows at this point if the adults are, like, are dead or if they're in a different kind of space of time. Um, Fortunately, it is the latter. So Billy is able to, upon transforming into Shazam, he he sees that the worlds have been split in two. And it's a very well-drawn scene where you see two Earths being connected by the purple energy that Bedlam has. Um, Unfortunately, when Billy arrives on Parent World, where the Justice League are going through the same thing of trying to figure out what has happened to the kids, realizing that they're also victims of this like kidnapping of themselves, 
um a lot of them start panicking like they're like some of them are just like oh man we gotta save the kids others are just like fortunately we have the teen titans who are there to help the kids the funniest moment of all though is flash starts panicking and realizing that impulse is on that world and he might be their best hope (laughs) (laughs) um but this is all determined once billy heads over the thing is though when he lands on the adult world billy is still billy he doesn't turn into shazam oh and this is because um at one point in when billy transformed to shazam bedlam was able to pluck the body of shazam away so that only billy was going to be able to head over to adult world and this body was put in stasis the shazam's body was put in stasis and bedlam started using shazam's energy to help bridge this um the two worlds so that they were separate but he was able to manipulate both sides of it yeah i'm glad they glanced over that in the show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was confusing, very confusing <laughs> reading this. Though I did appreciate the fact that they were able to punch in a little bit more of the um, just kind of like the building out of who these heroes are and giving them some character development in these like quick scenes. And speaking of some more comic book knowledge, um, as I mentioned, this is a part of the second team up of this Young Justice team. I think we first talked about this in the first episode of uh, Young Justice about their origins and how. It was Impulse, Superboy, and Robin who um, met up with somebody called Secret. And this is this gaseous figure who, in the comics, they um, was held captive by the DEO. And the team here was trying to, upon learning that it was an actual young girl, they decided to try and save her, which they succeeded in doing. So since we talked about Secret already, I guess we could actually talk about harm. <laughs> Oh, yes, boy, let's let's go. I, I need more harm in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so harm is a comic book character and everything that we saw in the show matches up very much to his own personal story. Uh, harm is a uh, secrets adoptive brother. Uh, we first meet him in Young Justice number four back in January 1999. Uh, his name is Billy Hayes. So when Billy was adopted, Secret, whose real name and didn't have her powers at that point, her name was Greta, uh, she used to have visions, apparently. Mm-hmm. And in these visions, when Billy was brought to their home, she saw that he had the ability to create great evil. She was freaked out, but he comforted her by saying that he will always protect her. That was clearly a lie, though, because he was super violent. It was bad. It was <laughs> <laughs> Without getting into too much detail of the occurrence, basically, he almost killed her father um, and unfortunately did kill Greta. That led into her transformation to become a secret. And this is because he had made a deal with a demon to become the world's greatest murderer. Okay. I mean, I don't know what that really quantifies. Quantity? Quality? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I wasn't <laughs> sure about that, too. Like, weapon technique, is that also taken into account? Like... <laughs> Um, so later on, this is an issue number four. So later on in that issue, um, harm does actually, uh, face off against the team specifically Arrowette. So hence why she's the comic book, um, inspiration of Artemis in our show. This is why, uh, I guess this is why they decided to have this matchup in the series as well. And during this fight, he does harm does, um, defeat the young justice team and is able to escape. He does another battle against them. This time, he's planning to um, 
kidnap John um was was it the Pope John Paul II at the time? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that escalated. It did. I was I was sitting here reading this. I was like, I'm sorry, what? So that was our WTF moment in comics, y'all. Uh, protect the Pope. <laughs> so at the same time, in order to also help with the defeat of Young Justice, he planted a bomb in Red Tornado so that they'll be distracted on two fronts. Now, uh, of course, our heroes have to win, which they do. Um, Harm decides to head back home, but while this is all going on, Harm's father um, finds out everything. He knows that Billy killed his killed their daughter, killed his daughter. He knows that Billy attacked him. So he decides that once Harm, he talks with his wife, and the two of them decide that something must be done. So when Harm comes home to celebrate the fact that he was able to at least get away, uh, his father, his adoptive father, shoots and kills him. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is where it had to end for him. I mean, it doesn't end there. Ah, <laughs> unfortunately, there is a story called Day of Judgment where the uh, specter gets um, taken over. And because of this, it leads to legit hell freezing over. Because of this, they have to evacuate hell. One of the evacuees happens to be Harm, who is able to come back because Secret, who has now also joined the Young Justice team, he comes back in a very similar style to her. So he once again tries to take down Young Justice. Uh, Secret realizes that Harm is her brother, her adopted brother, Billy, and realizes that he was the one that killed her. So she goes to attack him. This leads to the both of them falling off a cliff. Both of their bodies disappear once um, Impulse looks around to try to see if they can find them. But Secret is able to come back. Apparently, Harm um, was able, to, got the ability to possess people. So in an effort to, um, to try to continue on his plan, his adoptive father was actually charged with his murder and was about to get the death um the death sentence so he decided to go and possess his father to try to see and make sure that um secret found out about the fact that her father was on death row during this entire time when they get a chance to talk secret and her now possessed father he plays off the fact that like he that the father never loved his daughter but she doesn't want to hear it so she gets the help of um another superhero slobo who's a grenade to lobo um i'm not going to go into that <laughs> but <laughs> secret goes and tries to break her father out of prison her the rest of the team are just like we can't have you do that and she's able to take down the team pretty easily herself too which again it gets even crazier because now dark side is watching and dark side's like yo you got power i got power we should combine our efforts and take over the world. So he kidnaps her alongside with her father, who was still possessed, um, as an extra last-minute F you, I guess, to her father. Um, Billy, as harm, in the pos possessing the body, jumps into an apocalypse fire pit to kill them both, while Darkseid manipulates Secret into turning her into one of his weapons. So now Secret is evil, um, 
the older Justice League members are trying to console the team over the fact they just lost one of their friends and saying to instead of trying to like go and save her, they're like, let's use this moment of secret turning evil as a teachable moment for the kids. I don't think I like secret in any medium, secret and harm. I, I just don't I don't think I like them. <laughs> and then Robin goes and is able to talk secret out from being evil. Darkseid gets pissed and strips her of her abilities. So now she's just a regular girl that goes to school. Thanks for that. Whoever <laughs> wrote all that, thank you. Thank you for leaving us there after all of that nonsense with dark side and murdering and resurrections. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that was that was a lot. That was I just needed to get that off my chest, honestly, because I was just like, what happened here that we got this episode? And this is <laughs> this is why. So yeah, um, now that you now know more about the history of Secret and Harm, do with that information what you must. In the meantime, we're going to continue on with our journey through Young Justice. So catch us next time as we cover the last set of episodes in the Young Justice series. And just remember to take care of yourselves and to, um, if you ever get a chance to be stuck on either adult world or kid world, I would say go with adult world. And if you need to stop your enemy from getting a heart for a transplant, I don't know, just like trip them and make a dog eat a heart. It happened on One <laughs> Tree Hill, I think. 